you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There were no longer any sea. Then I, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without the cost from the spring of of the water of life. Great, thanks Job. Round of applause. How good. Uh, fun having the kids in. My name's Mike. Um, uh, I'm a pastor here at City on a Hill, Brisbane. Um, hey, kids, I've got a question for you. Who likes birthday parties? Yeah, great. So good. Well, next week, uh, we're having a birthday party. City on a Hill uh, is turning 15, kind of City on a Hill come across Australia, is turning 15, and Brisbane is turning six. So that's worth a cheer. Yeah. Um, the staff, uh, staff team, we actually went to, to Melbourne uh, Lisa and, and, and us, we went to Melbourne this week um, with, to, to meet with the other churches. I uh, meet with staff from across kind of churches across Australia. We gave thanks to God. We sung together. We reflected uh, on the highs and the lows. And, and we had a dinner together at a rooftop bar. It was a great time. Um, and uh, next week, we'll, we'll keep celebrating uh, kids and everyone. Actually, you'll get a party invite for that on your way out. And I hear there's going to be cake at the park. So make sure you come to that. Come to what you can. Um, hey, I thought, you know, as we kind of celebrate, we're, we're, we're coming up to our sixth birthday, I thought we'd acknowledge and honour, in particular, Roe and Dave, um, who gathered people together in their living room to start this church. You know, we wouldn't be here uh, if it weren't for them. Um, and at one level, there's been so much, so much to give thanks for, so much uh, health and growth uh, over this past, you know, past season. Gospel community, some of them are getting ready to, to multiply uh, coming to people, coming to faith. We've got some people getting baptised uh, next week, so come along on Saturday. If you want to get baptised, uh, chat to me. It's, it's not too late. Uh, we can baptise some more people. We'd love to have that conversation with you. Um, and yet, over this season, it's been a little tricky as well. Uh, I'm currently serving as interim lead pastor, but we're looking to appoint a permanent lead pastor. And we had a leaders meeting last week. We, we opened up the Word. We sung together. Uh, we prayed together. It was a really important time. Uh, Guy, Ian and Luke and others from the Central Leadership Team joined us in the midst of their pretty chaotic week that they had last week. Uh, they gave some updates uh, for us and answered some questions that they had. Some of you guys know it, you've got more questions, and I want to emphasize we really value transparency. Uh, your GC leaders who are there, uh, they'll be aware of some of the challenges around that, uh, and they'd love to chat with you more about that. 
Uh, I, I personally, I'm happy to, very happy to chat as uh, Grant uh, and Michael, the elders as well. Uh, but here's some updates. Uh, we're going to look forward to what's next. Here's a couple of updates. Lead pastor interviews will begin this month. Uh, so please keep praying about this. Uh, it's an important role um, to lead the staff team, set the vision for our church. Uh, this Friday night uh, at our prayer and praise night, we'll be spending a good chunk of time praying uh, for that as well. We would love to see many of you guys there on Friday night. Uh, at the same time, I just want to also say that the lead pastor, whoever that may be, they're not going to be perfect. Uh, they're going to be a saved sinner that loves Jesus like us. Uh, so let's not kind of place unrealistic expectations. They're going to come in and everything's going to be perfect because uh, that's not going to happen. Um, but let's be praying uh, that God would, would appoint the right man at the right time. Uh, second thing, now this is, this, is, um, this is a change which I'm excited for. We value community. Uh, we value your service. Uh, and we've decided that uh, through, through prayer, through consultation, we've decided that as a trial, uh, at least until the end of the year, but perhaps a bit longer as well, uh, we're going to be going back to one morning service. Uh, so starting next week, yeah, yeah, some people are excited, there we go. Um, uh, so one morning service, uh, starting next week, um, the, plan, look, the plan was to do this as a one-off uh, anyway next week, um, and, uh, and so 9 a.m., uh, but we're going to just keep rolling that until at least the end of the year. Uh, 9 a.m. and 5.30 p.m. will continue at 10 Key Street. So that means no more 8.30, 10.30 for at least the next while, okay? So don't come. Come at 8.30. That's fine. Come at 8.30. You'll be nice to know the church. It's great. But we'll start at 9. Uh, hey, it's a trial. We want your feedback. Conscious, there's a lot of people uh, in this room, um, and our kids aren't always in. But, um, you know, we might need to use the front seats a bit more and feel that. Um, but look, three reasons why we're doing it. One, it's an opportunity uh, to create a stronger sense of community. Uh, we want to uh, just keep doing and keep building uh, our post-church community, build on the already great community we have, that sense of togetherness uh, in the morning. Secondly, it's a chance just to lessen our load on the serving teams. We don't want to burn you out. Uh, this will give our teams an opportunity to refresh, recruit, and reset for the next year. Uh, if you're not yet serving, we'd love to chat with you. In particular, uh, there's, there's big needs in uh, and kids, um, less needs this morning because kids are all in, but, but um, we'd love, Lisa and the team would love uh, to chat with you uh, if you're interested in that space. Um, hey, we want to keep making Jesus known though. We want to reach more people. We want to plant more churches and start new services, but we also want to do that sustainably. Uh, so perhaps next year we'll be ready to go back to three services in the morning, but we want to do that at the right time. Uh, when we are ready. Hey, last quick, three, last quick thing um, before I pray. I'm going to give you guys the opportunity to become a Christian today. Uh, I thought I'd flag that. Uh, I'll do that at the end of the talk. I thought I'd flag that now, so I'm not, no surprises there. But let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we, we come before you as a holy God who through your word, you created the universe. You are holy and mighty and powerful. We are thankful for your word and that you speak to us through it. Would you speak to us this morning? Give us a bigger and clearer vision of the hope we have, and may we live lives that look more and more like Jesus. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, it was June the 21st, 2021, last year. I, uh, my family, were gathered together with thousands of others just across the river at South Bank, waiting for some news waiting to hear which city would be lifted up to the world, which city would be on display for all of her glory. And the winner is, drum roll, 
Brisbane, that's right, that's right. Brisbane, our city, will be hosting in 10 years' time the 2032 Olympics, Summer Olympics, which will be in winter for some reason. Anyway, there you go. Um, but okay, sure, sure. Um, you know, those of you who follow the news know, well, okay, there was only one bid in the end, so it was a bit of a one-horse race, but hey, at least we won. What a good city to live in, hey? How good's Brisbane? Great weather, relaxed lifestyle, close to, you know, world-class beaches, got lots of green spaces, green parks by the river. It's got many of the amenities you'd expect of a world city without the hustle and bustle and, and property prices, etc., of, of Sydney or Melbourne. And of course, home to the bin chicken. Yeah, that's right. Barry the Bin Chicken might be the mascot. Let, let's vote for that. Uh, now, now, some of you might be cringing though right now. Brisbane, really? You know, it's just a big country town. You'd rather live in somewhere cool like Melbourne or, or, or you know, perhaps Tokyo or London or Paris, um, New York. Some of you, though, think, no, no, Brisbane has come a bit too hectic. You know, I sort of miss that country town vibe. Uh, I sort of would prefer really to live in you know, Toowoomba or the Hinterland or Mullaney, Sunny Coast, Byron Bay. But hey, regardless of where your ideal city or place to live in, in this world, one thing is true of all of us, that our standards are too low. Our standards are too low. I went on just one news website this week, and here were some headlines. Floods forced thousands from their home in southeastern Australia. North Korea fires missile after aircraft buzzer in South, South Korean border. US to take in some Venezuelans, but send most back to Mexico. Soaring rent and food costs keep inflation high. January 6th panel votes to subpoena Donald Trump over Capitol riot. Holocaust survivor opens far-right controlled Italian parliament. Ukrainian diplomat says Russian war harming quality of life in Africa. Pakistan bus fire kills at least 18 flood survivors. I could go on. Now, these are just news headlines, uh, stories of around the world, and yet I know, uh, I know us, I know many of you have your own stories of pain, perhaps struggling to find work, uh, struggling to, to feel like you fit in, uh, dealing with health or mental health challenges, relationship breakdown. Now, it doesn't matter where you go, there is bad news. There is brokenness. Uh, this morning, we're finishing off our, our left and right series. And I hope today and over this series is to not show you that the right view of politics can solve the world's problems. Hopefully, we've seen that over the past eight weeks, that the problems of this world, of our city and humanity, they run deep. Racism, poverty, war, inequality, dysphoria. You know, for thousands of years, uh, we've been trying to make the world better. Uh, different government systems, uh, technology advancements. And yeah, like of course, a lot of things are getting better. But at the same time, it's obvious that there is a fundamental problem with our efforts. You know, mental health, loneliness, division, suicide, they, they sadly plague all of our cities and the problems go on. Uh, this morning, I've, I've called this message a tale of two cities because that's really the message of the Bible. Now, the first city, it's the city of man, or it's the earthly city. Now, it's not one specific city, but we see all throughout the Bible and all throughout history uh, that, that humanity has trying to be trying to build a name for herself, trying to live in a city, in a community that is self-sufficient, that says, I don't really need God, or perhaps I'm going to invent my own God, my own gods to worship. 
Uh, we see that way back in Genesis chapter 4. Uh, Cain, uh, son of Adam, he commits the first murder. He kills his brother Abel. And then what does he do? Well, he doesn't trust in God's protection, so he builds a city for himself to really escape from God. In Genesis 11, a, a few generations after uh, the flood of Noah, people, they come together and they say, come, let us build a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves. People, they were trying to you know, climb the stairway to heaven to reach heaven on their own terms, claim the glory that only God is truly worthy of. The tower is at a place called Babel, which would then become Babylon, which throughout the Bible is really described as the city of man. It's a type, it's an epitome, it's a picture of this city of man. There's, of course, the physical Babylon, uh, the head of the Babylonian empire, uh, which the people of God, Israel, that they get exiled to. But Babylon becomes representative of this city of man that is really up against God. In, uh, in the book of Revelation, the last uh, book of the Bible that Job read a piece of, it's a vision given uh, to the apostle John, a friend of Jesus, and it's really sort of an unveiling of the curtains, revealing what true reality is like. There's lots of symbols, lots of metaphors. Uh, it helps us see the true spiritual realities using a lot of picture language. Uh, Babylon is described, the city of man is described brutally in Revelation, Revelation 17, 5, uh, as Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of earth's abominations. And I used to work uh, right next door to a brothel and I'd see men kind of sheepishly walking in at different times of the day and it would break my heart pretty confronting verse, especially for all in service, about this city. Uh, you know, it's easy to kind of read verses like this uh, and distance ourselves from it. Uh, think, you know, okay, that's, that's them. Look down. However, another big theme of the Bible is that sin, rebellion against God, which we're all guilty of, um, it, chasing other things, uh, God describes it as spiritual adultery. James, who's the brother of Jesus, he, he says it starkly. He says, you adulterous people, he's talking to the church, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. We all, we get lured into the ways of the world. And when we do that, we're following Babylon. We're following the city of man. And ultimately, this city, it has no hope because it's just an earthly city. We see the city of man will be judged by God. In Revelation 18.10, um, it says this, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come. Putting your trust, your hope in yourself, your community, your city, what is really the ultimate purpose of it? It's futile because that city will be destroyed. One of the, the greatest empires of, of all time was, of course, Rome, the Roman Empire. I think I've got a, a picture of the spans of the empire. At one point, it, it uh, reached all the way up to Scotland, um, down to Iraq, you know, northern Africa or the Mediterranean. The capital, Rome, was described as the eternal city or the capital of the world. In that saying, all roads lead to Rome, that was a literal thing because back then all roads really did lead to Rome. You know, they, they gave us Roman numerals, uh, surgical adva advancements like the, the Caesarean C-section. Uh, and yet, this great city, this great empire, the biggest city of the world, it was smashed in the year 410 by a group of Goths. And gradually, 
went into decline. This guy called Augustine, uh, one of the most influential uh, figures in history in the 5th century, he saw the crumble of this city and, and decline of the great empire Rome. And he wrote a work uh, showing really the futility of the city of man. Uh, he did it by comparing it to another city. And this other city is another true reality that the Bible shows us. There's a greater city in the Bible, a city that will outlast Rome, New York, and yes, even Brisbane. It's not the city of man, not the earthly city, but it is, of course, the heavenly city, the city of God. Augustine says that the earthly city glorifies in itself, but the heavenly city glories in the Lord. When we chase after the city of, of the man, the city of man, we, we, when we put our trust in you know, Brisbane, now, we aren't aiming high enough. Our standards aren't high enough. C.S. Lewis, uh, he says this, that uh, it would seem that our Lord desire, finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We're half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We're far too easily pleased. This morning, I want to lift our eyes to the hope of that better city, the city of God. We're going to see three things. We're going to see what is the city, how do we get there, and how do we live in this city. All right, first one, what is the city of God? Well, in summary, it's heaven. It's the Christian hope. The city of God is where God is dwelling with his people in community. It's a theme that starts way back in the first verse of the Bible. Very first verse of the Bible, it says this, Genesis 1.1, In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. God who sits outside of time and space, he starts something. He creates realms. Heaven, that, that's where God lives. That's his dwelling place. Earth, that's where we are. Now, I think often it's easy to overly separate these two realms. You know, we're down here, God is up there. However, God's, God's plan, uh, it was really one of overlap. I think this kind of picture represents it a little bit. There's, there's overlap between heaven and earth. In the Garden of Eden, God, he dwelled with his people. There was this overlap. Now, this should really, if we understand this, it should blow our minds that the God who made everything, uh, he was just hanging out with Adam and Eve in the garden. They had a perfect, Adam and Eve had a perfect relationship with God the Father. And of course, Adam and Eve had a perfect relationship with each other. They were naked, not ashamed. There was no tension, conflict between them. And they were being able to eat freely from the garden, uh, including the cheat code, which was the tree of life that enabled them to live forever. You know, they had a perfect upward relationship with God, perfect horizontal relationship with each other, perfect downward relationship with creation. It was heaven on earth. God was living in harmony with his people. Now, that's really God's heart. Uh, God has made us in his image as relational beings, designed, uh, as the Westminster Confession says, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. However, as we've been reminded throughout this series, uh, humanity have stuffed up. Adam and Eve, and indeed us, we've chose the city of man over the city of God. They, we've ignored God's command, thinking they could be wise in their own eyes and started to define good and evil for themselves. 
Throughout the Old Testament, uh, God continued to reach out to his people to show them grace and forgiveness, and he wanted to dwell with them. God wanted, in a sense, to bring the city of God to earth, a place where God could dwell with his people in his blessing, under his good rule. Uh, the tabernacle, uh, which is the, the tent where uh, God, God's glory dwelled in this temporary city. It was like, like a gypsy city that would kind of live with God's people, in, like the Israelites, as they were traveling around towards the promised land. God would guide his people with a pillar of cloud by day and by fire by night, pointing towards the promised land, Israel, where they would establish the city that would be the capital. Now, God's people, they got to the promised land and uh, they set up a city, Jerusalem, on Mount Zion. And literally, this was the first, the OG, city on a hill. From here, God's people, they were meant to be showing the light and love of God. Here, the temple, it was built under King Solomon. And God, he was again dwelling with his people. In a sense, bringing together heaven and earth. In John chapter 1, uh, we read that Jesus, he is the word that became flesh. And he dwelt, or literally tabernacled amongst us. His life was about showing people heaven, the kingdom of God. Uh, the shortest biography that we have of Jesus, um, the book of Mark, we'll actually look at this uh, through introducing Jesus. So come along, that we'll explore that further. Love to see you guys there. But the, check out Jesus' first words as recorded in this book. Uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 15. And the kingdom of God, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Someone's got a phone. They want to get that if they want. There we go, baby. It stopped. There we go. Okay. Um, feel free to get it if it's somewhere. Yeah. Um, hey, the, now, the reason, so that's Jesus' first words, right? That's his priority. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's near. The reason why Jesus did um, the miracles, they weren't just to impress people, cool party tricks. No, no, he wanted to show people what the heavenly city is like, what the city of God is like. Jesus healed the blind because in heaven, everyone will be able to see. As, as we saw, uh, beautiful actors from Roxley, that, that was, let's give their round of applause again. There'll be no ailments in heaven. He fed the hungry, because in the city of God, even people who have suffered incredible poverty in this life, they'll be feasting with Jesus. Open up your Bible to Revelation uh, chapter 21. If you don't own a Bible, we've got some on the info desk. We'd love to, to give you one. But Revelation 21, right at the end of the Bible, right at the end, it's the, the second last chapter of the Bible. Um, this is what Job read before us. Check out Revelation 21. This gives us a picture uh, of what the city of God looks like. Revelation 21, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. The city of men, it will, as we've said, it will pass. It will come to an end. All our bank accounts, uh, our, our CV, our resume, our earthly achievements, all these things, they'll be futile in heaven. And the sea is gone. What does that mean? Does that mean there's no beaches, no surf? No, no. Uh, this sea represents a separation uh, of judgment between God and his people. That barrier will no longer exist. And keep reading for us. Uh, keep reading verse 2. Uh, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. 
Jerusalem, the original city on a hill. It's been replaced and perfected with a new Jerusalem. This is the new, eternal, lasting city of God. And look how it's described. It's like a wedding. At a wedding, you know, the bride, she gets up early, you know, earlier than the groom, uh, gets the, the, the hair, the makeup done, fingernails, all that stuff. Why? So she can be prepared for her husband. That's the picture of this city. It's the bride, which is us, the church, those who trust in Jesus. We will be prepared for our wedding, our husband, Jesus, that we'll meet face to face coming down out of heaven from God. It's, it'd be like, like any good wedding. It'll be a party, uh, a celebration. I, I, was chatting, uh, I was chatting with Ben before. Like He asked me about my, uh, my Polish wedding that I went to that lasted a couple of days. This is a wedding that lasts eternity with the best food, the best music, the best party games, the best of everything. It's a real, tangible experience. It's not some kind of fluffy, kind of new age, vague, floating on clouds thing. No, no. God is preparing a real place for us so that we can live with Jesus forever. Check out verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. You know the best part about heaven, about the city of God? It's not all the stuff. It's not even the fact that we'll be together. Uh, It's actually, as Lisa said, it'll be that God will be there. We'll have a perfect, pure relationship with God the Father. Because God is good, He's pure and just, the effects of sin as well will be no more. Check out verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. The city of man, it's, it's full of brokenness, disappointment, depression, doubts, and even death. But church, this is, this is temporary. Jesus has put an end to death. He suffered once on the cross, so that in heaven you will no longer have to suffer. Suffering you know, on this earth, it does point us and does make us more like Jesus, who was, of course, a man of sorrows who suffered on the cross for us. Suffering, it refines us as we cling a little less tightly to the city of the world, longing for that next world. Check out uh, what Paul says about suffering in Romans 8. For I consider the sufferings of this present time, which he experienced a lot of, are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Now, I get this is hard. I get for, for many of us, uh, our life is so intertwined with suffering. Uh, suffering has almost become part of our identity. You know, whether it be the disappointment, the life is not how you planned. Uh, whether it be broken relationships, uh, whether it be mental health, anxiety, physical health, or even losing loved ones. I know many of us, we are going through huge things right now. But Jesus, he, he sees your pain. Uh, he understands it, uh, even if others do not. And he will wipe away your tears, our hurts, our horrors that we experience in the city of man. They will be gone. Now check out the next chapter, uh, Revelation 22. 
Then the angel showed me the river of the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. And check out this: the leaves of the tree were the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. The picture of the city, it's, it's, a, it's a garden city. Now, not like you know, Westfield, not like a shopping center. No, but it's the city of God, it's a picture of the new garden, the new garden of Eden. And I love that, the tree of life, the cheat code, we'll all have access to it. And do you see the leaves? I love that picture. God's healing hand will be upon us. The leaves are for the healing of the nations. It's all picture language, but how good is that? No more, no more cancer scares. No more miscarriage. No more funerals. Have you ever had to go to a funeral of someone younger than you? Man, it's not how the natural order should be. The heavenly city will be, uh, there'll be not, none of that. Uh, there'll be death, destruction, disease, doubt. It'll be a thing of no more as we enjoy living in peace with God and his people forever. The city of God will also be a place of justice when nothing accursed, nothing evil will be there. Those who get away with stuff in this life, with murder, corruption, abuse, taking advantage of others, that won't stand in heaven. God is good. He's perfectly just, and that justice will be administered. Back in Revelation 21, uh, verse 5, as Job read for us, And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. God is making all things new. And he's trustworthy because he's spoken. He's spoken to us through his word. He's testified that through the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus' rule, it will be forever and uncontested. There won't be a power struggle between good and evil, between left and right or up and down. Jesus will be on the throne forever. So we've seen, what is the city of God like? Uh, Secondly, I'll move a lot quicker now. How do we get there? We've seen the beauty of the heavenly city, but how do we get there? How do we get to heaven? Well, you know, to make it in the city of man, it's hard work. Uh, we try and make a name for ourselves, buy a you know, little slice of Australia, a piece of land, have a family, maybe travel the world, experience things, get the perfect job. But have we ever really made it? How do we know if we've ever made it? We're plagued with comparison, with guilt, with debt. And then, of course, we die. It's game over. It's vastly different to the city of God. The city of God has drastically a different economic and political system. Heaven, it's free. Why? Because it's been paid for. Now check out Revelation 21, verse 6. And he said to me, he said to John, it is done. I am, Jesus is, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The city of God will be this glorious experience of freedom. 
Uh, those who are in poverty will now be rich. We'll be feasting together with everyone from every tribe, from every time period. And it's not about following a certain moral code to get there. It's not about ticking religious boxes, avoiding certain sins. If you're a Christian, I know most of us have, if we're a Christian, that means that you have received grace, the gift. You have secured for yourself a seat at the table. Citizenship in the city of God. That's your true and lasting identity. If you're not a Christian or you're unsure about where you're at, I've got some good news for you. Jesus has paid for you. You've, been, you've got this offer of grace, this gift of God. Uh, Philip Yancey, in his book, What's So Amazing About Grace, a great read, he says this, that grace means there's nothing I can do to make God love me more and nothing I can do to make God love me less. It means that even I, who deserve the opposite, am invited to take my place at the table in God's family. Jesus, he lived the life that we, that you should have, and he died the death that you deserve. But he didn't stay dead. He rose again victoriously, as we sung, up, up, out of the grave. He rose again victoriously, giving us tangible hope. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Jesus defeated death on the cross through the resurrection for you. And Jesus wants you to put your trust in him today. He's inviting you to his table, to be part of his city forever. As I said, I'm going to pray a prayer in a little bit uh, that we can all pray to accept his invitation. All right, so we've seen what is the city of God? How do we get there? And lastly, how do we live in this city? We live right now in what the Bible calls the last days. Uh, there's, there's an overlap of the ages. Uh, Jesus uh, has resurrected and we're waiting for his final resurrection. We've received the inheritance, the passport to the new city, but we haven't fully experienced it. We've been given the Holy Spirit as, as a down payment, get a deposit guaranteeing the future, but we still live in this overlap. We should feel this tension, right, of being in the world but not of the world. Now check out how Paul describes it in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1. He says that, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. Turn to the person next to you and say, I live in a tent. There you go. You all live in a tent. When you go home today, say, this is a tent. If you're doing renos, just call it patching up your tent. That's the perspective. It's just temporary. It's nothing compared to eternity. Do we long? Do you long for Jesus to come back? Do you long for that city of God as your eternal dwelling? Church, we need to have an eternal perspective. I've used this illustration before. Don't have a physical rope with me, but imagine if I did, right? Imagine if I had a rope, right? This long, long rope. Uh, and uh, on this rope, uh, it would go not just, you know, winding around the seats, but it'd go out the doors, you know, down kind of Roma Street, you know, across the bridge, uh, down M1, down past the Gold Coast, in New South Wales, does a lap kind of round 
you know, to Melbourne, all the way around Australia and back, right? This rope, it just keeps on going, going, going. There's this red dot on it, this tiny little bit. This red dot represents our life. Uh, maybe 80. I had a grandma, I lived to 101, maybe 101 years. Uh, it's a long time. But in the context of eternity, what really is it? Uh, church, I think some of you are, are clinging too tightly to the red dot. It's only a fraction so it's nothing compared to eternity. If we really believe this, and not just up here, not just intellectually, yeah, yeah, I believe that, but if we really believed it in here, that would change everything. Are we investing in the city of man or the city of God? You know, the only, only thing we can take to the city of God, to heaven, is people. Does your bank account, does your time, does that reflect that? Are you trying to store up your treasures in heaven for eternity? Or are you trying to store up your treasures in earth, on earth? With our time, our talents, our treasures. Friends, this should also change the way we view suffering and grief. Paul says in Thessalonians 1, chapter 4, that we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. Uh, that you may grieve as others that do not have hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. We know someone that, that trusts Jesus um, and they die. Like, absolutely, there should be sadness and grief. But is there also joy? Not because they lived a good life um, now, but because now they're with Jesus. And church, that's our hope. Uh, By trusting in Jesus, death is not the end. Death is not the enemy. We we are part of an inheritance in the city of God that lasts forever. As I uh, invite the band up, uh, we, not just our church, because that's our name, but we as the church universal are called to be a city on a hill, a temporary city that points people to the eternal city. Let's keep doing that. Let's keep showing people together the life that we have in Christ. Because the earthly city, it will disappoint us. Uh, There are desires that are insatiable, that cannot be fulfilled, never satisfy. Church, I'm going to give you guys the opportunity now, as I said before, to become a Christian, uh, to become a member of the eternal city, uh, to receive your invitation that Jesus is offering you today. Maybe you realize that you've been trying to to build your kingdom here, to putting your trust in the city of man. Maybe this morning just clicked that you realize that there is more, that Jesus is real, that he loves you, that he died for you, and that there is hope, not just for this life, but for eternity. And now some of you might have more questions. Um, That's great. I've I've got questions. It's okay to have questions. Uh, I'd love to invite you as well to introducing Jesus coming up. But I'm going to pray a prayer now. Uh, it's It's not a magic prayer. Uh, it's a simple prayer. I've uh, got children here this morning. I thought I'd pray a prayer that, that hopefully kids can understand. It's called the teaspoon prayer. You know, Jesus says to be, a, to be part of my kingdom, to, to come to this eternal city, you need to be like a child. Enter in like a child. And so this teaspoon prayer is just this. Thank you, sorry, please. TSP, the abbreviation in a recipe for teaspoon. So kids, you can pray this as well. I'm going to pray this, these words slowly. If you agree, I'll just repeat them silently in your heart. Um, So let's bow our heads and 
Let's pray together. Let's close our eyes and let's keep them even closed after we pray. So let's, everyone, let's uh, close our eyes and pray. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done. Living a perfect life, dying the death that we deserved, and rising to defeat death. Sorry for what we have done, putting our hope in the city of man, living for ourselves instead of you. Please forgive us and give us access to the eternal city, to heaven. And please help us live lives that please you and for you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And keep our eyes closed, heads down. Amen. Eyes closed, heads down. Now, with your eyes closed, heads down, I just want to uh, give you the opportunity to, to tangibly respond to that this morning. Uh, if you prayed that prayer in your heart, if you realized that you were, have been living in the city of God, if you, city of man, and you, wanna put, and you wanted to put your trust in Jesus this morning, can I invite you to just to raise your hand? Just to raise your hand this morning. Now, it's not, not magical. It's not because, you know, raising your hand makes your prayer more powerful. But just as a tangible way to say, yes, Jesus, I need you. I'm sorry, and I want to be friends with you. Awesome. Hands back down. And hey, there's good news. Uh, when uh, people become Christian, when they decide to follow Jesus, when they understand the gospel, there's a party. There's a party in heaven. Uh, the angels are rejoicing when even just one person puts their trust in Jesus. Uh, if that was you uh, this morning, can I encourage you to, uh, to celebrate that, to share that with perhaps the people who brought you here? There'll also be um, myself, Mel, will be, uh, will be in the aisle where the kids were before uh, during these next songs. If you want to share that with us or if you just want to pray with us, maybe you've got some things in your life you want to pray for, pray with. We'd love to be there for you right now. But let's stand and we're going to sing a song about the city of God and the hope that we have. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.